Hi there, I'm Extension Educator Liz Garofalo, but you should just call me Hawkeye. You're listening to the UMass IPM Fruit Week, a podcast component of our Extension Fruit Team newsletter, Healthy Fruit. Welcome to another flashback edition of the UMass IPM Fruit Week. Today, we are casting the reel all the way back to April 7th, 2020. Our goal is to keep you in the loop and provide you with the ability to listen to the most up-to-date healthy fruit news while you go about your day. Let's zoom in to current degree day accumulations. As of April 6th, 2020, at the University of Massachusetts Cold Spring Orchard in Belchertown, we have accumulated 150 degree days, base 43 BE. According to NUA's degree days prediction, by April 13, we should reach 184 degree days, base 43 BE. Half-inch green bud stage should occur around 150 to 221 degree days, base 43 BE. Meanwhile, on the center stage, Macintosh apple has reached half-inch green, Honeycrisp is at green tip, and Crispy Pear, Red Haven Peach, and Rainier Cherry Buds are swelling. Bearing in mind that we have accumulated 150 degree days, base 43 BE, here is what insect activity we may be seeing in the field. Green apple aphids, green fruitworm peak flight, pear scylla first over position, red banded leaf roller, and spotted teniform leaf miner first trap catch should all be occurring right about now. Given the untimely nature of the recording of this podcast, I will not tell you about upcoming meetings as that ship has sailed and made port on YouTube. If you missed any of our virtual twilight meetings or just want to harken back to the simpler times of the late spring and early summer, take a look at the UMass Extension Fruit Team YouTube channel and follow us to get updates when we post new videos. They're getting better, I promise. Let's take a look at how John was seeing things back in April. John warned us that this could be your last healthy fruit if you didn't take action right away. Seriously though, make sure you keep your healthy fruit subscription up to date. The newsletter is chock full of information in season for crop production and off season. We share articles of interest as well as news of educational opportunities and oh so much more. John also wants you to know that you can help support our programming by visiting ag.umass.edu forward slash fruit and using the Make a Gift button in the menu bar. This handy little button takes you to a page that is ready to accept your donation and deliver it right to the fruit team. Weather has trended towards average or even cooler lately, and phenology is moving along, slowly. Climate Smart Farming thinks we are at green tip to half-inch green in Belchertown, which is not too far from the truth. The 30-day outlook for April from NOAA shows us warmer than average. However, the 8-14 to day outlook for Belchertown shows us cooler than average. John expects that if cooler heads prevail, we will be on track for an average bloom date. There is still much trepidation on how the COVID-19 pandemic is going to affect agriculture going forward in Massachusetts. John advises not to expect things to get anywhere near back to normal for the foreseeable future. This is a good time to think about reducing expenses and having a plan B and maybe a plan C also. There is a lot of information out there and frankly, it can be a bit overwhelming. Changes will happen. Take it one day at a time and stay healthy. Please feel free to contact any member of the UMass Fruit Team if you have a production or pest management question in the meantime. We are not getting out much, but we are still on the job. Extension tree fruit specialists, which include John Clements, Dan Cooley, Jaime Pinheiro in Hawkeye at UMass, Mary Conklin at UConn, Heather Fober at URI, 
Terry Bradshaw at UVM, George Hamilton and Anna Wallingford at UNH, and Glenn Kaler and Renee Morin at UMaine have officially launched and minimally updated the 2020 online edition of the New England Tree Fruit Management Guide. It's easy to print any of the sections if you want to have an old school paper reference to hang on your spray shed wall or whatever all else you may do with such items. It is also mobile friendly, so make a home screen shortcut to netreefruit.org. The print version has been discontinued. On to the entomology psychology with Dr. Jaime Pinero's prescriptions for tarnished plant bug. Perhaps not an insect that has been on your radar, since in 2019, tarnished plant bug was well controlled in most apple orchards. The average percent injury by early season hemiptera, including but not limited to tarnished plant bug, was about 1.3% in five Massachusetts orchards. Tarnished plant bug seems to be more problematic in peaches. Ground cover management is a critical component of tarnished plant bug IPM. Avoid mowing or using herbicide between pink and petal fall as disturbance of alternate hosts in the ground cover may cause tarnished plant bug to move into apple trees. Tarnished plant bug adults can be monitored using a white sticky trap set out at silver tip. The action threshold during tight cluster for apples ranges from a cumulative average of three tarnished plant bugs per trap or five tarnished plant bugs per trap, depending on the type of card used. The action threshold during late pink ranges from a cumulative average of five per trap to eight per trap. Examine 10 terminals per block for bleeding buds. Bleeding buds? Who knew apple production could be such a horror show? At any rate, the action threshold is two to three sap bleeding sites per 10 terminals sampled. Tarnished plant bug activity is highly dependent on temperature. So two or three warm days between 50 and 60 degrees in sunny weather will trigger increased foraging and feeding behavior. In late March of 2020, we deployed a monitoring system involving 200 plus white sticky traps distributed throughout Massachusetts in 10 orchards and in New Hampshire, two orchards. Thus far in Massachusetts, only one tarnished plant bug has been detected in one block as of April 7th, 2020. Jaime's team is also evaluating selected plant volatiles for attractiveness to tarnished plant bug and European apple sawfly. Using 40 white sticky cards at the UMass Cold Spring Orchard, for the last two weeks, there has been very little tarnished plant bug activity. Three tarnished plant bug adults have been captured by traps baited with plant volatiles and unbaited traps have captured zero tarnished plant bug. Red banded leaf rollers are also active. On April 4th, seven adult red banded leaf rollers were captured in a single pheromone trap in southern New Hampshire. Oriental fruit moth. It's almost time to deploy monitoring traps for OFM. In 2019, the first captures of OFM took place on April 20th in Belchertown. To monitor OFM at the pink stage, place standard pheromone traps inside the canopy at five to six feet high to monitor adult activity. One trap per 10 acres is the minimum number recommended for commercial orchards. A few traps should be placed on the forest edge to intercept immigrating moths. Check pheromone traps at least three times a week until the biofix is established. The biofix is the date on which pheromone traps sustain a catch of two or more moths. For this, it is necessary to check monitoring traps often, at least three times a week. Once you achieve sustained captures, begin to accumulate degree days using a base of 45 degrees Fahrenheit. Once the biofix is determined, traps can be inspected once per week throughout the season to establish action thresholds. Pheromone beta traps also catch lesser apple worm, so it will be important to know how to distinguish between the two. Chemical control of OFM can be improved by using pheromone trap data and a degree day model to establish optimum timing of insecticide sprays targeting newly hatched larvae. 
For first-generation OFM, one insecticide spray between 350 degree days, base 45, and 375 degree days, base 45, after the biofix is recommended. Note, since OFM flight usually begins at bloom, it is not possible to apply an initial spray to kill adults. No insecticides need to be applied until eggs begin to hatch. A normal petal fall spray should control OFM larvae hatching early in the season. Are you considering implementing mating disruption for OFM and codling moth? In 2019, in one Massachusetts orchard, HiMaze team evaluated the effectiveness of a dual mating disruption system. These targeted OFM and codling moth with 32 dispensers per acre. The dispensers were designed to last the entire season. A more detailed discussion on internal Lepidoptera monitoring and management, including mating disruption, will be presented in next week's Healthy Fruit. Moving out of the animal world and into diseases, our disease segment is brought to you by me and Dr. Dan Cooley. Today, April 7th, 2020, is the first day ascospores were observed in the lab tests. There were 21 ascospores in the funnel trap and no ascospores in the petri plate assay. So, you might wonder, why no spore in one trap and 21 in the other? Great question, I'm glad you asked. The funnel trap is equipped with a small fan that forces the spores that are ready to eject to do just that, and it concentrates them onto a small portion of a single microscope slide. The petri plate assay is more passive. Leaves are wet, which makes mature spores eject, but onto two slides rather than concentrated on one particular spot. This makes finding them a little bit more difficult on the petri plate assay. However, the petri plate assay has been and continues to be considered the gold standard in ascospore observation. While the funnel trap makes it easier to find spores when only a few are around, the gentle air pressure generated by the fan may be enough to cause spores that aren't quite ready to go to eject. While there have been a lot of comparisons of PPA to infections, the funnel trap has not been compared to infection severity or to petri plate assay observations. The bottom line, there are a few mature spores that are on the edge of release in greenfields. In an orchard with little or no scab last year, this isn't a big threat. But in an orchard with visible scab last year, this could be a problem. NUA's apple scab infection potential estimation for April 7th, 2020 tells us there is an infection event forecast for the upcoming rain event. <laughs> Remember when it rained? That rain event would be Wednesday through Friday. Note that the daily ascospore discharge is estimated to be less than 1% for each day of forecast rain. Not exactly a major event in cooler climates, if your climate is warmer, though, and your trees are further along, you may be looking at your first significant infection event of the season. NUA estimates ascospore maturity as high as 35% in the earliest orchards in Massachusetts. Check a NUA station in or near your orchard to see what the situation might be closest to you. RIMPRO indicates no chance of infection in Belchertown, while NUA has ascospores at about 10% maturity, with an infection Wednesday through Friday. This is pretty normal for these two systems. NUA generally estimates a higher risk than RIMPRO early in the season, while RIMPRO tends to extend primary season longer. Now, it's time to get ready to get indoctrinated into the horticult. Our horticulture segment is brought to you by John Clements.
John tells us about increasing branching and shoot growth on young apple trees and says, if you want to increase branching on one-year-old wood, last year's shoot growth, that is overly vigorous, a whip, and is likely to turn into blind wood, you should, before bud break, paint the area of shoot where branching is desired with four ounces of Maxell or Exilis in one quart of white or gray or brown latex paint. Use a small brush or roller. After bud break, spray on an application of Maxell at a rate of 1.6 to 3.2 ounces per gallon using a backpack sprayer. Treat the area where branching or enhanced shoot growth is desired. If you want to break paradormant buds on two-year-old or older sections of blind wood, at the half-inch green stage, aggressively notch just above live paradormant bud and then spray with a solution of nine ounce Maxell plus three ounces Promalin. If you want to increase shoot elongation and growth in newly planted apple orchard or young non-bearing apple orchard, spray green shoots with a solution of Maxell or Promalin. Promalin increases shoot elongation. Maxell increases shoot breaks. You can do this at a rate of 1.6 to 3.2 ounces per gallon. If apple trees are bearing, limit application rate to 1.28 ounces per gallon. Note that Maxell or Promalin application might cause thinning in bearing apple trees. Do note that Valent USA products are not the only solution. Fine Americas makes 6BA and GA7 products too. Exilis and Perlin. Read label for specific use recommendations which generally mirror those of Maxell or and Promalin respectively. of the Healthy Fruit IPM Fruit Loop podcast is it gives me the opportunity to play Sonia Says Again. So, the small fruit update is brought to you by now retired extension educator, fruit specialist, Miss Sonia Schloman. Sonia says, crop conditions are as follows. Warmer weather is pushing bud growth along now. Be sure your spray equipment is calibrated and ready to go. The dormant season application window is closing for most crops and materials. Order scouting supplies, you know, traps, pheromones, that kind of stuff, and anticipated spray materials and store them properly. Also, pollinators are flying on warm days. Be aware of this when making spray application. In your strawberry beds, mulch should be off now. With this warm weather and plants are starting to push new growth from the crowns. Check the field for areas of weak plant survival. Also, look under leaves for evidence of overwintered, two-spotted mite activity. Predatory mite releases may be needed a bit earlier this year than normal. <laughs> that word should be removed from our lexicon at this point. Early season herbicide applications can be made now. See the Strawberry Weed Management Guide section in the New England Small Fruit Management Guide for recommended materials and rates. Planting new fields will begin when soil conditions improve enough to allow for tractor work. Rambling over to the brambles, green tissue is visible on floricanes. It looks like there's relatively little winter damage this year thanks to the mild winter. This is also a good time for early season weed management for brambles. See the Bramble Weed Management Guide section of the New England Small Fruit Management Guide for recommended materials and rates. On Blueberry Hill, bud development is mainly at bud break, 
with some early varieties and locations a little further along. This is a key time to watch for mummy caps from mummy berry beneath the bushes, in areas where mummy berry was a problem last year, and, if possible, to apply mulch now, where it's not too wet, of course. You can cover your cups with mulch. Alternatively, cultivation or raking of the area beneath the bushes can disrupt the mushroom cups. These are actually called apothecia. And this will reduce spore release. Where mummy berry was a problem last year, be ready with spray applications for the shoot strike phase of mummy berry when green tissue is exposed. More on this next week. Finally, early season weed management is also possible right now. See the Blueberry Weed Management section for the New England Small Fruit Management Guide for recommended materials and rates. Our guest article this week was an exceptionally informative piece on apple viruses and tree decline from Dr. Dave Rosenberger, formerly of the Cornell Hudson Valley Research Lab. I highly recommend you take a minute and look this up in the Healthy Fruit Archives. Thank you to all members of the fruit team, all the growers, and to our sponsors. Oesco, Orchard Equipment and Supply Company Incorporated, Norse Farms, the New England Vegetable and Berry Growers Association, and the Massachusetts Fruit Growers Association. Thank you for listening to the UMass IPM Fruit Loop, the podcast component of Extension's fruit team newsletter, Healthy Fruit. Stay safe, be well.